This is the Only Human podcast from Community Radio 4 Z out of Brisbane, Australia. You're listening to Only Human on 4 Z and Z Digital with Kim Nathan and Aaron. And today we're talking about HIV. People with disability make up 15% of the world's population and in Australia closer to 20%, but are often overlooked in public health interventions around HIV. There, and yes, there's not much research regarding the intersections of HIV and disability. And one reason for the marginalisation of people with disability is in HIV research and public health intervention is the mistaken assumption that people with disability are asexual and not at risk of being infected. Today we're going to talk to Aaron Akbu-Philip, who is researching HIV and people with disability, focusing on the factors influencing adherence or non-adherence to antiretroviral therapy among people with disabilities in Nigeria. And yes, he has worked and volunteered in various international, national and local non-government organisations in public health. Welcome, Aaron. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So exciting to have you in the studio. I'm excited to be here, too. (laughs) So your first time in a radio studio? Um, in Australia, yes. Yes. So, Aaron, um, you've been working in this area and interested in this area of HIV for a very long time. Can you tell us a little bit about your past work? Right. Um, I've been in this field, in the field of development, generally for maybe about five, six years now. Um, I started off as a, a volunteer, as a peer educator from a very young age, um, while still in high school. And then I grew up to the university, studied, and when I finished, I just knew I had to do public health uh, because I'd done a lot of volunteering work then. And when I finished and started into, went into work, it was all about HIV because I have this sentimental um, attachment to HIV. I've lost very close people to HIV as well. And that has driven my, driven my career and my academic path in the field of HIV pretty much. So I've worked in various projects funded by the USAID, DFID in my country, in the field of HIV, I've worked with children, um, worked with f- sex workers, uh, injected drug users, um, and then, of course, uh, people with disabilities as well. And so all those groups you mentioned there, are they all groups that are at risk of contracting HIV? Is that where your interest has come from? Absolutely. So obviously the... World Health Organization captures them as key population. Um, so these are people who've, whose social or legal status sort of you know exacerbates their risk of, of having HIV. Mm-hmm. And as you all know, um, these are groups that have you know suffered ma- marginalization from the mainstream uh, society one way or the other. It's even huge for persons with disabilities because you could have sex workers among them. You will have people with disabilities. You have men who have sex with men. Uh, among them, you have people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. You have um, any group at all. You have people with disabilities. We might talk about the compounding factors of various disabilities and, and other socioeconomic factors. But first of all, can we talk a little bit about uh, the perceptions of HIV in Nigeria and sub-Saharan Africa? Mm, so um, in Africa, generally, what, what drives... Uh, the continent, uh, religion is a big thing, culture is a big thing yeah. in Africa as, as it is in my country uh, and so you find that the perceptions about HIV um, is driven or rooted in culture uh, 
because we're all socially constructed, isn't it? Whatever we learn, whatever we do, comes up, springs up from what what we are, and it's it is drawn from our culture and background. So there are lots of cultural background, a lot of cultural perceptions, a lot of religious perceptions about HIV, particularly about the cause of HIV. Um, I will think that that has got gone down in recent years because of the advancement in sex education is is a big thing now mm-hmm. uh, for development partners. But you still have uh, people who believe that HIV is uh, a disease caused by God or a disease caused by witchcraft or a disease sent to Africa by the West who are hoping to reduce the numbers of Africa. So you have those kind of perceptions uh, still rooted in Africa. Interestingly, when I did my master's in the UK, my thesis was, which was drawn from my work, uh, working in the field of HIV, was on the cultural and traditional beliefs about the cause of HIV and HIV-related stigma among black Africans in Leeds. Now, these are Africans who have traveled from various countries. My participants were drawn from South Africa, from Nigeria, from Uganda and some other African countries. And more educated too? Absolutely, yes. Interestingly, I had one who was working as a healthcare assistant for several years in the UK. But what he was convinced about the cause of HIV was that HIV was still caused by the West. He He felt this was an attempt by the West to reduce the numbers of Africa. So for him, HIV did not exist. Wow. Uh, because, and this is someone who is working as a healthcare assistant in the UK, in a developed world, but he still has that cultural belief. How much more for someone who is still back in Africa and still rooted in that culture. So mm. you still have a lot of that belief going on. Uh, so it was an interesting find for me um, when I did that in um, 2016 in the UK. So would you say that those perceptions that um, it's some external cause or um, brought down by God as a punishment kind of reasons for HIV uh, existing, is that a lot of people don't protect themselves or don't seek help? Yes. So if obviously if you there's still evidence to to show that some people who who have HIV don't even go for treatment. And for those who decide to treat, uh, so the first stage obviously I've got HIV for some people, they say no, I don't have it. The first stage is denial for some people. Um the denial comes from the fact that I I believe in God. I'm a Christian or I'm a Muslim or um, I cannot have HIV in my faith. I'm too, I'm too religious to have HIV. As if faith confers immunity. Is that what they're thinking? Uh, that's, that's the point. Yeah. And so, so, so those kind of people will tend not to go for treatment. Mm. And for people that go for treatment, sometimes they go towards uh, the traditional means. So there's evidence to show that people tend to treat HIV with traditional medicine, African traditional medicine. Uh, in some cases, you still find that that causes more harm than what it's originally supposed to be. So right. it's you, you have a lot of that still going on in the continent. So is that some of the reasons behind the very high rates of HIV in sub-Saharan Africa? It's something like 25% of the population, is that right? Yes, I, I, will, I will think that that is a contributory factor, obviously, mm. because um, if you think of the UNAIDS 1990 uh strategy uh, which which is a fast track strategy in having it's now 95 95 95 which simply sort of say um, we've got to 
have everybody who is, who is HIV positive will have to have 95 of them diagnosed. Um, 90, the second 95 is that the 95% who have been diagnosed are enrolled in care and having treatment. The other ones are the last 95 says uh, those who are enrolled in treatments, you know, achieve viral suppression. Um, but because you have, <coughs> in some, excuse me, in some situations you have um, the level of education is one, um, awareness of, of HIV is one. It's because it's, we've, we will argue that that information is there in Africa, obviously. Uh, people know about HIV as they did decades ago. Um, but you still have people drawing inspiration and their information from their cultural background, which sometimes tilts away from what we have as the facts about HIV. Mm -hmm. So because people shy away from what is actually there, the information that's actually there about HIV, you have that growing. Risky behaviors as well, it's there. People, uh, a lot of some young people, people just say, oh no, I can't have sex with condoms because my religion doesn't permit this or um, I don't like it. That increases or causes more harm as well. So, so how does the public health system in Nigeria cope with that uh, public perception that that they don't need treatment or that they're not um, don't, people don't want to admit to the things that they're doing? I guess. Yeah, I think, like I said, if you look at and uh, HIV programming in Nigeria, for instance, there's been amazing progress regarding that because I know that some people I've had friends who have been in who I've conversed with in the past to say, no, I don't believe HIV exists, but they think differently now. Yeah. Because there's been, you know, a bombarding of information from the government, from development partners about HIV. So yes, uh, a lot needs, still needs to be done, but a lot of progress have been oh, achieved. That's good to hear that the yeah. public information campaigns work. Yeah. Absolutely. There's okay. been a lot of growth in that area. So your research at QUT is focusing on people with disabilities in Nigeria. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the risks posed to people with disabilities and HIV? So um, people with disabilities, these are a particular group who are marginalised in in the mainstream society in yeah. the first instance. So they don't have access to education, no access to um, income, no access to pretty much they are shut out of the community. Um, it's How do they live? How do people with disabilities in Nigeria live? So because these are people who are shut out from education, I'm here today maybe because I had the opportunity and the privilege to have gone to school. Mm -hmm. Now imagine if I had a disability and I didn't go to school because I didn't have the opportunity to go to school, we wouldn't be having this conversation at all. Right. So I will resort to anything at all that is going to you know, get me going. And what is even more frustrating is that in as much as they want to do Work, they want to work, they want to go to school. The, soci the societal construction, again, there's a lot of mm -hmm. cultural construction and religious beliefs, again, around disability, and that's where it intersects with HIV. Because you have people who believe that HIV is a punishment from God, it's from witchcraft, it's mm -hmm. all sort of beliefs. It's the same thing when it comes to disability in, oh. in, in, in some context, where people believe that if you've got a disability, you've been caused by, by, by witchcraft or because of your sins or God is punishing you. And in some contexts, you have people with disabilities who have been used for ritual purposes, you know. And uh, 
uh, there's a belief, a wide-held belief, uh, obviously evidence shows that in literature, where people feel that um, if I want to get cured of HIV, I've got to have sex with a virgin. The idea of virgin cleansing is what it's called. And because persons with disabilities are, are looked up as, as sexual, this, uh, they don't have sexual feelings, they just, they're just there, you know. So they tend to suffer more from rape and sexual assault mm. because of virgin cleansing. So you have a lot of intersect you have a lot of intersecting issues when it comes to HIV and disability because people with disabilities because they don't have access to resources, education, income, um, whatever, they are sort of cut off from you have them at the lower class sort of this they're left poor, they can't feed themselves, they can go to school. And most of them, you see them resorting to arms begging. So it is more of like if you've got a disability in some context, you are sort of commissioned to go into arms begging. Because if you've not, you don't have education, you don't have an income, what do you do? Interestingly, we've got some champions and dis- some disability advocates who are uh, living with disabilities themselves. And they're doing amazing work because they've had the opportunity to be educated mm. without that they wouldn't be in the right spot to do that, you know. So despite the fact you were saying there that some of those uh, uh, elite people who are more educated still hold these uh, regressive attitudes towards HIV, some of those uh, people from that group are having children with disabilities and giving them opportunities. Absolutely. And that's where these advocates have come from? Yeah. So some of them, it's as a result of the work they do. Some of them, it's as a result of having children with disabilities. Some of them, it's as a result of the fact that they are tired of the oppression that persons with disabilities face. I don't have a disability, but it's, it's annoying almost if you think of the fact that I personally have all the amazing opportunities I've got to study, to have an income, to have all the good things of life. And someone, the society says you cannot because you're suffering from, you've got a disability, which in most cases is no fault of yours. Everyone can have a disability at any point in time in That's life. Right, yeah. So why does one person have to suffer because he's got a disability? And that's why some people argue about disability when you think of the models of disability, where the medical models say a disability is, I don't have an arm or I can he- I've got a hearing impairment or a sight impairment. The medical model just says, okay, you've you have this problem, you're sick, you've got to be taken care of, you know. But the social model puts the onus on society, says, we are the ones who've got the problem. So the problem is not the person with the disability. We construct disability. Absolutely. Yeah. It's constructed. It's nowhere. It's just it's just there put in. It's an avoidable, you know, avoidable barrier. That's right, yeah. yeah. And you were saying to me earlier that uh, Nigeria is a signatory to the International Declaration on the Rights of People with Disabilities. Can yes. you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So in 2006, uh, obviously, the... United Nations Conventions on the Rights of Persons with Disability came into force. So this is the international treaty which says, in simple terms, persons with disabilities, they've got rights to everything. So you've got to, every country has to acknowledge that. And so countries came together and said, yes, we agree. And they signed into this. I think, as of today, we'll have over once one over 160 countries, 160, over 160 that are signatories to the Convention on Rights of Persons with Disabilities. Nigeria ratified that in 2010. 
But interestingly, there's been loads of advocacy to say you have you know, you've, you're a signatory to this. You've got to ensure that the rights of persons with disabilities taken care of. Mm. But there have been massive campaign, massive advocacies from organisations. But the country only signed its own national disability law in January 2019. This is nine years. Mm, very slow moving. Nine years after you went to the international community and say yes, this. We're going to take care of persons with disabilities. That's right, and that's one of your obligations when you're a signatory to the convention, isn't it? That's the point. You've mm. got to ensure that you have everything in place. Think of the as the, the ramps, the um, brails in public places. Uh, public toilets have to ensure that you you have you 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 plan with persons with disabilities for everything, but that wasn't done. Mm. So it's. Although it looks like the country has been slow in doing that, as someone who is, um, I am optimistic and a proponent of good governance and whatever. So I believe that it's a good start that the government have actually done that. So yeah. that is a positive thing for me, where the government has said, okay, we've signed this into law. Now it's going to be another, tra- it's going to be a transition now of implementation, isn't it? Okay. And we have been talking to Aaron, who is a researcher at the School of Public Health and Social Work at QT, and he's doing research into people with disabilities and HIV. Now, we're going to talk a bit more about your research in particular, which you're apparently getting quite good at, are you? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) So you're looking at people with disabilities in Nigeria and their uh, adherence to the drugs that they need to take? Absolutely. Why people with disability in particular? Yeah, so I've done work in... I've been a development worker for quite some some time and during all that work I've worked with all most of the key uh, at risk groups but I conduct training sometimes and you find persons with disabilities there but so it was interesting for me to because I've had some background in HIV uh, now I conduct trainings although it was on governance issues and some on youth programs actually but I was caught up with the fact that I've done work in HIV. It will be interesting to see how disability intersects with HIV. And so I went into literature to see what's there in Nigeria about persons with disabilities regarding to HIV. And in, a- in Nigeria, the first case of HIV was in about in 1986. Now we have prevalence rates. We know the data when it comes to um, HIV regarding women, regarding children, regarding sex workers, regarding most of the most of the risk at risk groups, mm-hmm. but there was no data for persons with disabilities. In fact, interestingly, I found out that the first seroprevalence study that was done to find out how many persons with disabilities have HIV in Nigeria was done in 2015. Mm. This is just how many years back? Few Five years. now. Yeah, yeah, this is very very recent data, considering the fact that. HIV, it's, you know, everyone knows about HIV. Mm. So with that, I'm like, oh, this is, it will be interesting to sort of dig deeper to see what is there for HIV. And I, I told you about the 959595 where units say we've got to um, end HIV as public health threat by 2030. Yeah. The, the third prong of the 95 is achieving viral suppression. To do that, it, it's, it's strictly tied to antiretroviral therapy. So you achieve viral suppression when you take your HIV treatment, um, literally. So if we have to achieve the last prong of it, and we have all this amazing data about everyone, 
and we don't have the data about persons with disabilities, how well, how, how, how do we expect to meet that target? Is it difficult for people to get the anti-retroviral drugs in Africa, um, in Nigeria in particular? The, the, it's, it's obviously, it's been made free over several years. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But still, you still have issues of, aside issues of stock out and um, some other structural issues. What you also find is that persons with disabilities, going back to them now, is that some of them do not even have, because we've, we've talked about the poverty circle for them, mm. no income, no education, nothing. Some of them do not even have the resources to go to the hospital yeah. to get that, to get their HIV treatment. Mm-hmm. When I did some work a few years back in 2016 on a project uh, that we worked on in HIV, what we did was when we test people with HIV and you're found to be positive, we link you to care. In doing that, we provided what we call the escort services. So in doing that, it's either we give you the money to go to the hospital because you don't have it, or we take you to the hospital ourselves. You well, know, b- so by providing buses or some sort of transport. Absolutely. Right, now yeah. that was to ensure that persons who were HIV positive got to the hospital mm. and got their care. Sounds but like transport is a universal issue for people with disabilities. It is. Mm. Everything is a problem for persons with disabilities, especially in the global south. Mm. So because of that, it's. It's huge. So if they don't have access to going to hospitals, they don't. They can't get there. That's and when right, they get yeah. there, there are also structural issues that don't allow them access. And yeah. structural issues, uh, do you mean as in the attitudes of doctors and nurses Th- towards people with That is a key one because some, some of the, obviously there's research, abundant research about that, where health professionals have very, very stigmatizing attitude towards persons with disabilities. Mm. So I'm a person with disability who goes to the hospital when I'm HIV positive, I go to the hospital for my drugs. I can't even get access to it because the doctor doesn't even know I'm there or cares I'm there. The nurse doesn't even bother if I'm there. There are no ramps to get me into the hospital. There are no brails to tell me where the doctor's office is or the clinic is. So I, I'd rather not bother go at all. Remember, there is a first issue that I have tried to solve or maybe have tried to borrow money to go to the hospital and then I go to the hospital and I'm faced with all of this myriad of issues. I'm not going to go back the next time. Mm, and there's no, like you are saying, there's no welfare support for people to have someone help them do what they need to do? That's another thing because it's, it's, we live in, obviously, it's a very fast life for everyone. So if I've got a disability, you've got the support system. Obviously, the support system is good in Africa where families take care of their own. Yeah. It's a good thing. It's a big thing for us in Africa, in Nigeria, precisely. But then you still have people still have to go out and fend for the family and all of that. So when they leave, there's, there's no support system. It's, for instance, you've got the NDIS in Australia and the government is providing that support for persons who've got disability to say, yeah, you can live quality life because you've got government supporting you. That system is still not there in Nigeria. And that is what we hope to see if at the end of the day, mm. this research call informs some of these policy issues that are coming up. So that's one of the things you're hoping to find with your research? What uh, else are you hoping to find? Um, it will be interesting, obviously. Like I said, um, we nobody has any data about this. It's not been done. So I will think that as a development worker, my first point of call is to get this data into the field for you know for academics for development partners if they want to deploy HIV programming disability programming they've got to 
go back to what has been done in research. So I really, really hope that whatever my finding is going to be, it's going to inform or guide HIV and disability inclusion programming in Nigeria and across the world mm, as that well. That would be a fantastic outcome, wouldn't it? Hopefully. Hopefully yes. I look forward to it. Okay. Um, and so what else are you planning on doing after you finish this? Well, you haven't thought that far ahead yet. <laughs> uh, I think I have to an extent. As a development worker, I, I want to remain in the. De- I want to remain in development, um, and that's why I'm really excited about this research because I do hope that it's going to guide me towards you know um, remaining in development, offering services, maybe consultancy services, and guide to development partners, the WHO, the UN, and some other development partners, which I've worked with in the past. Mm -hmm. So that is where I hope to see myself in. Oh, that would be a good way to be able to make your findings become helpful. Yes, because if you've done the research and you are saying, we've got to do this, there will be some form of respect. You say, oh, yeah, he's done this research, so we we should listen to him. Very useful. So uh, where can listeners find out more about your research? And are you hoping to publish something? Yes, um, we're working on that. My supervisor is pushing me in that direction now, which is exciting. Um, and scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously it is. But it's something we've got to do. You've got to publish as you go. So I'm hoping to maybe publish something, a narrative review or some systematic review as I go on to from the work I'm doing at the moment. Mm-hmm. And do you have any um, agencies, or organisations out there that you might recommend people to look up if they want to find out some more about the intersections between HIV and disability? Um, I think the, 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 there's been there are lots of documents to look at. If you look at the World Health, there's a very good report which came out in 2011, the World Disability Report by WHO and the World Bank. Mm-hmm. That is... That will be probably the first place to look. Okay. So you will find that document on the UN website, on WHO website. They're all there. So I will advise us the, the first place to start. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Aaron, for being on the show today. And people can listen to this interview again um, uh, tomorrow night on Z Digital at 6 p.m. We hope to talk to you later on in your research and see how it's going. Thanks so much for coming into Triple Z today. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, everyone. You are listening to the Only Human podcast. Only Human is a weekly program on social justice, disability rights, psychology, social research and mental wellness. You can listen in Brisbane on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM and set digital on DAB Plus radios. Love community media? You can support 4ZZZ by subscribing or making a donation at 4ZZZFM.org.au.